We're doing it again. It's good to talk to you, man. You too. Yeah. Uh, I have seen your recent videos uh, now on Clearwater and Clearwater City Council uh, meetings and David Miscavige uh, and the, the, the nights of, of teeth gnashing that he must have been experiencing lately. <laughs> so sounds like things have been a little interesting out there. But you, what I was, what I really wanted to talk to you about after watching those videos and, and talking to you is, uh, is, is the perspective shift that you are offering. Mm-hmm. You're putting out there a pretty different view of, of how we should be thinking about Clearwater, and you and I have done podcasts. Mark Bunker's been on my podcast. We have talked in some detail about how Scientology messes with Clearwater. And and if you go back in the history all the way to Project Normandy in the 70s when they landed and uh, and they had a whole a whole plan and campaign to take over Clearwater and sort of, uh, you know, get in there and and uh, and have control of the city in such a way that they would not be messed with and they'd be able to do their Scientology. Of course, they being Scientology or the Church of Scientology is what we're talking about. So your perspective now, having lived there, having gotten involved in local politics more than your average bear, quite different yeah. now, right? So what's what prompted the the, the attitude change and, and how and, and what is this all about? So let's see. Um, I'm not sure it's so much of an attitude change as um, a perception problem that Clearwater has. And I say a perception problem, uh, not only because the perception has been negative, but also because the perception has been inaccurate. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we uh, sort of convinced or asked or helped Mark Bunker run for city council in the first place, it wasn't to test whether Scientology had influence. It was it was to prove it, like we already knew it. And we're always, uh, or I'll speak for myself, it would always drive me crazy to see that the world had this perception that Clearwater was, let's just say a Scientology town or owned by Scientologists or run by Scientologists because anyone who lives there, lives here, knows that's just not true. And it was more like, Jesus, I guess, I guess the fact that a Scientologist has never uh, won any elected office in this city has not been enough of a signal to get people to go, oh, maybe they're not as big and influential in Clearwater as we thought. And not only that, maybe I guess the fact that a Scientologist has never even attempted to run for city council has not been a big enough of a signal to get people to go, gee, maybe Scientology is not as big and influential in Clearwater as we thought. Well, then what would what would be the next level? Well, the next level would be to run somebody that... Um, that they would have to pull out all the stops to prevent from being elected and to prove that everything they could bring to bear in that effort would still not be enough to prevent somebody from being elected. Because uh, uh, the way I was thinking about it is, what do politicians care about the most? That's stereotypically, getting elected and getting reelected. So if a politician's operating out of fear, you could go, well, fear of what? Well, fear of not getting reelected. I'm like, okay, so if we could prove that Scientology didn't have the power to prevent anybody from being elected or reelected, could that, would that help the local politicians stop acting out of fear? And that was the hope. 
Um, and I think that has worked to a degree. Um, you know, we hear a lot of people speculating that this person, Clearwater City government's in the pocket of Scientology. This, these police officers must be in the pocket of Scientology. And for the most part, what, what looks like being in the pocket of Scientology is actually operating out of fear or operating out of an abundance of caution. In other words, protecting your own ass. And someone who's operating on the basis of covering their own ass can very easily be mistaken for somebody who's operating on the basis of being bribed, right? right. Um, in the late 80s, um, Scientology sued the city of Clearwater and won, you have to fact check me on this, I'm gonna say won like $800,000 or something, 600,000, 800,000. The city had to pony up because of some things that had been said and done that met the level of discrimination uh, in a legal sense. And ever since then, the city has walked on eggshells when it comes to Scientology. Mm. And that includes the police department. The police department is just the department of the city, right. city government. And so, you know, when the police operate very, very carefully, it looks like special treatment. But it's not special treatment because they're in bed with Scientology. It's special treatment because they're being very, very careful not to uh, create a situation where the city is going to get dinged for, um, well, because you know how litigious Scientology is. So everybody knows this. Um, well, that's, that's so you're speaking very much to a consistency in how Scientology has used their reputation exactly. for litigiousness. I mean, this was, this was how they got away with not being exposed in the media for decades. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because they took it because they and, sued time. Exactly. Uh, and so, you know, the city government, um, well, so it's always been my position that, you know, if politicians feel like they have to walk on eggshells when it comes to this organization, they don't understand the true size and nature of this organization. Cause if they did, they wouldn't be so careful. Right. And Mark Bunker running and winning that seat was sort of, uh, I guess chapter one or <laughs> the first chapter in the book of how to change the perception of Clearwater. And um, I, I think for those paying attention, that was accomplished. It's just that there aren't that many people actually paying attention. Mm. And, and those that are, people don't have very great attention spans. And so I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about here, especially as it relates to Clearwater. Uh, you know, it's been over a year since Mark Bunker won his election. And the videos that I've done recently, I've gotten tons of comments on these videos of like, oh my God, I had no idea. I, I, I just thought Scientology ran that town. Like I didn't even know Mark was elected. <laughs> like I live in this bubble. A lot of us former Scientologists sort of live in this bubble, uh, bubble being we're paying attention to Scientology related issues. Yeah. It, it's easy to forget that most people are not. Right. And most people also only read headlines. So, you know, the Tampa Bay Times has run some articles about um, a local advisory board to the city council called the Downtown Development Board. Yes. And it's, it's an advisory board that has essentially no power whatsoever. Uh, there's seven seats on the board. Five of those seats are filled with Scientologists. Well, this was at least newsworthy because it was the first time any uh, Clearwater advisory board had, the, had a majority of Scientologists on it. Well... Between people having short attention spans and people not understanding the structure of local government, 
a lot of people read that article thought that the city council of Clearwater was now dominated by Scientologists. They, they didn't they didn't really recognize the downtown development board is not the city council. And also, uh, well, so, so that's one example mm-hmm. of how you have something that's real. It's reported on accurately. And yet it is broadly misunderstood in a way that leads people to have a very incorrect perception of Clearwater and how much influence Scientology has in Clearwater. Um, when, when you hear people talking about Scientology in Clearwater, you'll hear them always say downtown, downtown, downtown. Well, in a normal town, in a normal city, downtown actually means something. In Clearwater, it doesn't. So Clearwater has Clearwater, you know, the, the, the whole city, which is, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. I want to say 70, if I even, I want to say 76 square miles, but don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> I could have that completely wrong. But, but for the purpose of perspective, let's say it is 76 square miles. Downtown Clearwater is one mile, one square mile. Um, so not only is downtown a very small portion of the entire city, but in Clearwater, we have another unique situation. Downtown is not like Clearwater Beach is our real downtown. 90% of our economic activity occurs on the beach. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, in a yeah. normal city, if, if, if you were in Philadelphia and someone said, well, Scientology took over downtown Philly, you'd be like, what? <laughs> like that's the, that's the city. <laughs> right. And again, this is something where Scientology benefits from this um, misunderstanding of downtown Clearwater is not an actual important part of Clearwater. Other than the fact that it used to be, and other than the fact that we want it to be again, mm-hmm. it, it's a ghost town. Like, mm-hmm. c- congratulations, Scientology. You've taken over uh, one square mile of ghost town, right? Um, actual downtown right now, what someone might consider when they say that, like a local, it's like two blocks, two blocks of Cleveland Street, maybe three blocks. The 300, 400, and 500 block of Cleveland Street is pretty much downtown. And so um, anyway, I'm just giving examples of some things that are very easy to misunderstand if you don't live here. Very easy to misunderstand uh, if you're reading headlines and not the full article. And um, so uh, and yeah, I think I think I answered the the main part of that question of just sort of. um, (laughs) Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. But you see, so it's not that um, attitudes here locally have changed. It's that I personally have pretty much decided I'm just tired of everybody having this misunderstanding of Clearwater and, and that Scientology benefits from that misunderstanding. I'm tired of politicians not understanding the true size of this organization. I'm tired of politicians not understanding the role flag land base plays in the world of Scientology. And, um, and yeah, and I figured, you know, it shouldn't be that hard to educate people about this. It shouldn't be that hard to change attitudes. I guess what I'm saying is the attitudes I'm trying to change are the attitudes of people outside of Clearwater because those in Clearwater pretty much already get it. (laughs) Understood. Totally understood. And I'm all about, I, one of the things that brings me, maybe some might think that this is a perverse kind of pleasure. I I happen to think it's a, it's an educational kind of good thing that I do, that I try to do this, but I, but I really do get personal pleasure out of poking holes in misconceptions and stereotypes and stupid ideas and, 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 and ideas people have that are not true. And I love discovering that in myself. I love finding misconceptions, misideas about things, having a concept and then be finding out, oh no, I was it, it wasn't it's not shaded blue, it's shaded brown. What? 
really? <laughs> I was just seeing it in the wrong light, right? And in this case, I think, you know, from, and something you said in your analysis when you were sort of commentating on the Clearwater Board meeting minutes and you were going over the video is you brought up this a couple times a point, which I think is encapsulated by Hanlon's razor, it's philosophical thing, right? Which is never attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by ignorance or stupidity. Two different things, but I'll, I'll go with ignorance because it's the more charitable uh, interpretation. And you and you lamented the ignorance of the Clearwater City Council members, even at this late date, about the true nature of Scientology, the actual threat it poses versus the, you know, unsubstantiated threat that it poses. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because I found it interesting, and I and and your take on the Clearwater City Council from direct observation and having gone and talked to them is a hell of a lot more informed than mine. And I have definitely gone down the mistaken path of assuming malice. Mm. Right? Oh, on behalf of the council members. Yeah, absolutely, I have. Oh, yeah. Right, because you look at the situation, you're just like, what the hell? So, oh, yeah. could you please cl clarify what that situation is? Sure, sure. Um, there's two in particular, and I won't, I won't, you know, name the council members right now because I don't want to pick on them. Um, and, and also, I do know these people personally, and I, I um, 100% confident. None of these people are in the pocket of Scientology. None of these people are secretly campaigning to help Scientology accomplish its agenda behind the scenes. None of them. Um, it does come purely from a place of ignorance. So uh, one of the council members um, seemed to think that Scientology really did want a successful and vibrant downtown, even if only for its own members. And I was like, oh, dear God. Um, <laughs> Now there's more to understand here. Like if there were enough Scientologists in Clearwater to slam dunk a vibrant downtown around the base, restaurants, steakhouses, wine houses, a movie theater, e even bars, clubs, Scientologists would actually do that. Like it's not, I, I, I tell these people, I'm like, look, it's not, it's not like Scientologists hate restaurants. Scientologists drink as much as anyone else. Scientologists love going to the movies. They love going to the malls. If there was enough members where Miscavige could literally just buy up everything and, and lease all these storefronts to Scientologists, and if there was enough Scientologists to even support that amount of commercial activity, they would 100% do it. Mm -hmm. But there aren't. There aren't. And, uh, uh, and short of the ability to slam dunk a vibrant downtown, using just Scientologists, well, the other option is do everything possible to prevent a vibrant downtown. Right. Because a vibrant downtown is only acceptable to Miscavige around the Flagland base if it's composed of Scientologists. It's not about wanting economic activity or not wanting economic activity. It's about not wanting non-Scientologists around the Flagland base to the degree Miscavige can have any control over that whatsoever. And the fact is, even Scientologist-owned restaurants, bakeries, cafes, businesses, go out of business in downtown Clearwater because there aren't enough Scientologists uh, to support an econ economic activity in downtown. And you go, okay, well, how does anything ever stay open in downtown? The businesses and the restaurants and the cafes, and there are many that are patron patronized by non-Scientologists are the ones that stay open, period. Scientology does not dictate the success or failure of any retail business in downtown at all. 
But Scientology doesn't want you to know that. They want you to be very afraid. They want you to think that if they initiated a boycott of your business, you'd go out of business. Right. And the truth is, it's just not true. Um, their presence will not guarantee the success of your business. Their, their, their endorsement of your business will not guarantee its success. And their boycott of your business will not determine your failure. Um, they're just irrelevant. Um, and it's because the Sea members don't have enough time and money to create any economic activity. And uh, the public who come here and have plenty of money don't have a lot of time. And there's just not enough of them to... Uh, to accomplish anything. As far as public, there's maybe a thousand Scientology public living in Clearwater. Well, there's 116,000 people that live in Clearwater. Mm -hmm. um, on the base, there's probably about 1,500 Sea Org members. So I say in Clearwater, you have 2,500 Scientologists. Well, uh, we can look at, we can look at, um, at how many Scientologists there are from the perspective of economic activity, but we can also look at it from a perspective of votes. In the last election, Scientology was only able to get about 600 voters to the polls. That That is pathetic. That is so that is pathetic. pathetic. When you were throwing those numbers out, I was like, dude. And you walked yeah. through some of the math, and I was like, okay, I get where you're coming from on this. That sounds that sounds legit. Uh, yeah. But wow. Like, <laughs> talk about no bark. I mean, that's not even a bark, much less a bite. I know. You know, let let me uh, let me throw out another set of numbers because that downtown development board, um, it is an elected board uh -huh. and you go, oh, my God. OK, but here's the numbers that make it matter. So, you know, in Clearwater, there's one hundred and sixteen thousand people that live here uh, in, in a good turnout for an election. You're going to see 20 to 25 thousand people voting. OK, that's and the council seats are all citywide seats like our city's not divided up into districts. You don't like pick a district and, and get votes from that district. All seats get uh, get votes citywide. Okay? OK, OK. Now let's compare that to the downtown development board that has five out of seven Scientologists on it. OK, in order to vote in that election, you have to own property in the downtown district, which is a geographically defined district. OK. There's about 900 properties, uh, one, one property, one vote. If you own 10 properties, you get 10 votes, okay? There's about 900 properties in that district. Um, any properties that are tax exempt or owned by the city, the county, or the state don't count. That leaves about 770 properties left. Only about 400 of those properties does the owner actually go through the trouble of registering to vote and voting, okay? So literally the downtown development board seats are won by an election of like 400 votes. Well, the Church of Scientology and the Scientologists control over half of those votes. So how about this for um, trying to change attitudes and perceptions? Some people think it's newsworthy that there's five Scientologists on that board. I don't think that's newsworthy. I think it's newsworthy that there aren't seven. <laughs> they control half the votes and they haven't even been able to fill all of the board, all of the seats on that board with Scientologists. That's incredible to me. Wow. And But wow. you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, like I do. I even, do. Even the articles that were written about that situation were like, oh, my God, look, they have five. And I'm thinking, you know, that's that's not the right way to look at it. Mm. It's, oh, my God, look, they only have five. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I don't think I'm just being a glass half full kind of guy. I think if you look at the math, it's amazing that there are still two non-Scientologists on that board. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. 
Well, what what is the influence of Scientology on Clearwater then? Because we do have a reputation and we do have a decades long reputation. And you and I both know that it's a well-earned reputation because OSA is creepy. They do bad stuff. They did try to set up the mayor. They did, you know, arrange that hit and run decades ago. I can't imagine they've they've been keeping their hands clean since they, you know, since things went down in the 80s, we had the, you know, the Clearwater hearings, all that. But then you have um, much more closer to present time, you have the um, the Lisa McPherson thing that happens in the late 90s, right? And that was pretty much, as I, as I recall and all the data that I have, it pretty much was controlled by railroading the, um, the coroner. And, and ruining her existence, basically, fair gaming the shit out of her until she changed her mind, retired, and I, I don't know, I guess died a year or two later. Um, and that's how David Miscavige basically avoided criminal prosecution on that, on that case. Was there, are you, I'm just curious though, I mean, from your perspective living there and being much more familiar with it there um, than I am, was there are there other machinations they get up to behind the scenes because they have a lot of money to throw around and you say okay well nobody on the city council is in their pocket i believe you i, I don't have any reason not to <laughs> right but we know scientology and we do know the nature of that organization and they don't just sit doing nothing so right. what do they do and and what threat do they pose then well, um, you know, keep in mind that really they're only, you know, because they don't really care about politics other than to the degree that it affects their ability to keep conducting business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, one of the two main things that have changed since the Lisa McPherson days and um, the Gabe Ciceras days, who's the mayor, the mayor that um, of Clearwater that Scientology tried to frame for a hit and run and other things. Uh, two things that have changed is Scientology has its tax exempt status, which it will do everything to protect. Mm. And the advent of cell phones and social media and the internet makes it um, much, much harder for Scientology to get away with any of the um, sort of shenanigans that they're used to. Now, now, so that's, you know, there's the harassment shenanigans, but then there's the behind the scenes kind of stuff that they do. Yeah. What they do is they hire lobbyists. Um, mm. And just, but remember, like when it comes to local Clearwater politics, there's just only so many things Scientology actually gives a damn about. Um, their ability to continue to um, acquire property that they want and develop it in the way that they want to um, is kind of the limit of what they actually care about here. Mm. Um, other than trying to keep their finger on the pulse of anything the police might be looking into and stuff like that. Um, obviously they don't want to be prosecuted. Um, so they're going to want to have their fingers, you know, uh, on the pulse of what's happening um, from a prosecutorial and police standpoint. Um, but I'll give you a small, stupid example. Yeah. Uh, there's all these little advisory boards for the city council, right? Well, one of these things is called the Charter Review Committee. And every so many years, it reviews the city charter to make amendments to it. Well, I had been nominated to be on the Charter Review Committee. And the city council has to take the list of people who were nominated and vote on them. Well, <laughs> um, Scientology has a lobbyist named Mary Repper. And she's connected locally heavily. And one of the city council members told me this story after the fact. He goes, you know, we did the vote and the meeting, the meeting happened earlier than it was supposed to happen. So Mary thought the council meeting was happening at X time. It happened a couple of hours earlier. 
He goes, we did the vote. I mean, you, you didn't get picked for the committee for no particular reason. But after the meeting was over, he, he got a breathless call from, from Mary. Oh, my God, Aaron Smith-Levin is up for the Charter Review Committee. We have to make sure he doesn't get it. And he's like, uh, well, today's your day. He, he didn't get on. And she was like, oh, I mean, she's like, oh, thank God. Okay, now look, I'm giving you this as an example because of how stupid it is. Yeah. Okay. Yep. The Charter Review Committee, look, I'm not going to say it's not important. It's not that important. My presence on it was not going to have anything to do with anything. It's not like things were going to be introduced into the city's charter that were going to be detrimental to Scientology. Like There will be no self-help religions allowed in the city borders of Clearwater. I know. Like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, this is a funny example of them trying, them right. expending politi- political capital on something that's completely meaningless. Right. Completely. Right. Okay. So they go through all that trouble to prevent me from being nominated to this board that really wasn't going to be important in any way. <laughs> and yet they completely fail to prevent Mark Bunker from being elected to the city council. Um, okay. So I'm using that as an example also to show that they, they do use lobbyists. Um, they know that they are toxic. Scientology and the reputation in the community here is as toxic as it could possibly be. I mean, like you and I know that for as long as Scientology has been in Los Angeles and Hollywood, their impact on that city is zero, right? Like we, we know that. Well, I, I mean, mean over, well, I mean, I would from, say, yeah, big picture circumstances. Absolutely. Okay, so we yeah. can make a we can make allowances for you know the celebrity center has a relationship with the uh, the police department right. because of the fundraisers they do. Clearly, there seemed to be some sort of a relationship there with the district attorney. Some, something seemed to be going on there. But here's what I really mean. Yeah, I mean you still cannot safely walk the four blocks from L. Ron Hubbard Way to the Anthony Building. Or, or what is that building called? Yes, you're right. The AB. Yes, that's right. So that's what I mean is Scientology's presence there is still so minuscule and diluted that it has had no actual effect on its environment, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. But that's Los Angeles. I can understand if someone might think that, um, you know, Clearwater is so small and maybe they think Scientology is such a big fish that they've managed to safe point the entire city and, you know, make it all wonderful. Their reputation is so toxic um, that even, even the politicians, even the council members who, if you watch these meetings, seem like you, you could be confused into thinking they're in the pocket of Scientology. Mm-hmm. When you have conversations with them, they will freely admit that when they were campaigning, going into all the neighborhoods, knocking on all the doors, eight out of 10 times, the first question was, are you a Scientologist? And if not, what do you plan on doing about them? Honestly, like Scientology has not even managed to safe point this tiny little town. Um, And my point there is they're so toxic, they cannot directly interact with city leaders, political leaders and get anything done. They have to do it through intermediaries. Um, this is all in response to your question of like, are they doing any sort of behind the scenes mm-hmm. shenanigans? Mm-hmm. You know, they're so shackled by their horrible reputation that nobody wants to publicly have anything to do with them or be affiliated with them in any way. And even in someone's private life, like some of these local attorneys that, that take on real estate work for Scientology, they pay the price in their private life. Like Scientology is that hated in Clearwater. Wow. Why do so you think, I, why do, do, you, do you think Scientologists like Pat Herney, the, the OSA guys, who whose job it is to deal with community relations, clearly they suck at their jobs, but one wonders, are they even trying? Well, I think they're, they're shackled by Miscavige because um, mm. I don't think he wants, um, I don't think he wants or cares Clearwater to like him or Scientology. And here's my evidence for that. Um, you and I both know 
that when Scientology wants to create good public relations, it knows how, it has all the money in the world to throw around and they can do it. And well, the evidence of that is the free winds. So, you know, the free winds, when they pull into a port, uh, the people on the ship are ordered to get off the ship, get into town and spend as much money as possible. We want these guys to love us. We want them to want us back. We want them to want us, right? Okay, so Miscavige knows how to do that. Well, he could do the exact same thing here in Clearwater. He could give a SEER member an extra 200 bucks every week. And he, honestly, if he wanted to do some PR campaign, he could be like, all right, everyone gets 200 bucks. Every SEER member gets an allotted six hours a week just to go spend money downtown. Not, not to go off and have a liberty, not to go off and go to Countryside Mall. Like everyone could have an allotted amount of money and allotted amount of time to go spend money downtown. He could make Scientology indispensable. Mm -hmm. if he wanted to. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I just say, that's how, you know, he doesn't want to, because look, there's a lot of restaurants in downtown that could use, could use extra support they could all use extra support. Well, you know, good luck. You just built three, you know, four-star restaurants inside the walls of your own buildings and removed, you've removed any reason any Scientologist has to go have dinner at the local restaurant. So not only are you not making yourself indispensable, you're doing the opposite. You're buying properties, you're taking it off the tax rolls. You're building your own restaurants, you're building your own coffee shops, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to tip those waiters. Those restaurants are staffed by Sea members. So they have excellent food for, for a good price and you don't have to tip. Like, that's what I'm saying. Miscavige knows what he's doing. Because if he actually wanted Clearwater to love the Flagland base, it would really be a piece of cake. And for all the things that Miscavige is, he's not stupid. So he just doesn't give a damn about the people of Clearwater. And here's why. He doesn't want them around. He's like, we don't, we don't need them to like us because we don't even want them there. Right. We'd rather they just left. Do you see what I mean? I so do. now put yourself in Pat yeah. Harney's shoes where it's your job to generate good public relations with the community. Well, good luck with that, right? Right. It's interesting and, because, uh, well, let me let me just let me just throw this out there because I have wondered about this for a very long time, and it was only in a conversation I had like maybe two three weeks ago with Jeff Hawkins that I revisited my idea about Miscavige not wanting to expand Scientology mm. in general. He doesn't enforce study. He doesn't enforce people go up the bridge. He doesn't uh, pay the Sea Org, right? He doesn't care about the staff. It's part of Scientology policy. If you're going to even give lip service to L. Ron Hubbard's words, that you care about the staff to some degree, right? But you and I yeah. both know from all the years we were in, they don't give a fuck about whether you go up the bridge or not as a Sea Org member. Right. No one cares, right? It's much more... Now, 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 production, 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 money, money, money. Yeah. That was certainly, you know, our lifestyle. And maybe it's changed since we left, but I don't think so. We haven't heard one iota of real change in terms of that. Um, and Hawkins put forward to me the idea, because I said, I just don't think he cares about expanding Scientology. And Hawkins' idea was basically, yeah, no. It's not that he doesn't care. It's that he is actually that incompetent. Anyway, I wanted to throw it out there as an idea. I'm not asserting a truth here. I'm not making a truth claim. I'm just saying, what do you think about maybe it's 
not that he doesn't care about Clearwater. Maybe it's that he's so bloody incompetent at how to get the job done. And I've made that assumption you made too of, well, he just doesn't care. But I've just given been given reason to rethink that and think, well, maybe it's actually just that he really just is so bad at his job. He doesn't know how to make people like him. He only knows how to make people hate him. Okay, but um, I, I totally get your point. Although yeah. we're talking about whether he cares about expanding Scientology versus whether he cares about the church's public relations in Clearwater. And, yeah, and you're um, right. If these are two different things. I was relating one to the other. Totally get it. Yeah. I believe that he does want to expand Scientology because, honestly, it only benefits him. I mean, the, mm -hmm. he's all about the money, really. Yeah. I mean, Scientology at this point is a money game. Um, I think in Clearwater, he very specifically doesn't care mm. about the public relations. Okay. Um, because, like, what would be the benefit? Like, how would he benefit, like, literally, in a, in a literal sense, how would he benefit by the people here in Scientology, uh, the, the locals loving Scientology. He's like, we just don't need them. Oh, I mean, somewhere in LA, you sort of need them to kind of like you. I don't know. Maybe am I just pulling this out of my butt? Like, it it seems like. Um, I guess in LA, they're not trying to build this giant buffer around the pack base. Mm -mm. Like in LA, they're totally fine just having l ron hubbard way and what is that the the east side and the west side i forget if l ron hubbard way runs north and south or not they're not it's interested yeah it's easy it's easy to keep people off of l ron hubbard way you just mm -hmm. have a security guard at one end of the street a security guard at the under the other end of the street right. here in clearwater their campus is um spread out okay in clearwater they have more of a need to keep people away you cannot it's very hard to guard all the buildings all the time it's very, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of buildings in the base. And I guess my point is, like, I just don't see that he thinks it's necessary to have any of the, and when I, I do mean the locals, by the way. Mm -hmm. I don't, like, does he want the council members to like Scientology? Yes. Does he want the city manager and the city attorney to like Scientology? Yes. Does he care at all whether the people of Clearwater like Scientology? No. Why? You can't get into Scientology in Clearwater. Who cares if they like him? Right. Who, who cares what they think about Scientology, right? Right. Um, whereas, uh, you know, when we talk about Miscavige, Miscavige being uh, too incompetent to expand Scientology, uh, the Golden Age of Tech 1 and the Golden Age of Tech 2, you know, were horrible, horrible programs that resulted in the contraction of Scientology. Correct. And, um, and again, I guess you have to ask, was that intentional or was that incompetence? Um, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, for a long time, I've been looking at the Golden Age of Tech Evolutions as something that he felt would weed out everybody who was more loyal to the concept of L. Ron Hubbard than to Miscavige himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is one thing those evolutions absolutely accomplished. Mm -hmm. um, but I do still think that Miscavige wished it were possible to keep driving more people into Scientology. Mm -hmm. Like I, I like I wish I've for some reason I've never been able to sit down with somebody who spent decades at middle management and international management and ask them these particular questions. I've never I've never been able to like get really good answers to a question like what would you guys discuss at staff meetings every week when international stats were just down month after month after month after month. I've never asked like 
what did you feel like you were accomplishing as a Sea Org member, knowing that international statistics had been down for 15 years? Because at our level, we always we always thought international statistics were going up and up and up, highest ever's, right? That's right. Um, even at a local level, we were able to accomplish highest ever stats now and then. Like, you know, if you were looking at a 10-year graph, 20-year graph, maybe it was only a slight increase or flat, but there was enough local activity that we at least felt our existence was accomplishing something, right? Mm-hmm. That we did. <laughs> Yeah. If I was at middle management or international management and I knew that the stats had been crashed and never recovered since the first golden age of tech, I don't know how I would have justified my continued existence on post. Like that's that like honestly, I, I would have had to be like what am I doing here? What what are, are we actually making any headway at all? At a local level, I did feel that we as CRG members were making headway. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny how it's funny how I believe that this is what feeds the revolving door of management personnel because they do get disaffected. They do, you know, you as a manager, right? I mean, I lasted a long time in mental management on a single post. I eight years on one job. I was I had my job longer than any other single person in the CLO, I think, at a management level for continuous, for a continuous stretch. Some people came and went off post. But my point is that there is a revolving door for, I believe, exactly that reason. Because you bring up your idealists, your, your you know, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to rock and roll, and we're going to change the world like they did me coming up from Santa Barbara and putting me in charge of the tech divisions. And then they say, go, and you go, and you go for as long as you have the ability and energy to go. And for some people, that's six months, and for some people, that's six years. And, mm. you know, but everybody, everybody gets busted. I ne- I mean, right. I hardly ever. The percentages were much more, you're going to end up getting busted onto some lower post. Very few people moved up and, and got promoted up, up, you know, higher. And we know from Scientology and the aftermath what happened to them because they go to Int. Right. <laughs> and then they yeah. find out how, what, how the sausage really gets made, right? But um, the other thing about this, let's say I was going to say the revolving door thing and, um, oh, and the fact that, uh, look at what happened now. David Miscavige hates the int base, hates going there, hates everything about it, thinks they're all a bunch of SPs. Well, probably because most of them have seen the writing on the wall. And when I went to data files and I looked at orgs that had gone originally St. Hill size, the big, you know, Stevens Creek, Orange County, you see these graphs. I would look at 10-year graphs. We had access to these finally after in the, in the later years of my time in management, and you'd see these graphs go up and then down. Really? And down and down and down. Yeah, so you could see the St. Hill size peak where all the stats were pushed up, and then they stayed there for, you know, a couple weeks, and then they start tilting, and it's just this long, steady downstream. And that, and and I looked at Orange County, I looked at Stevens Creek, I looked at some of these other bigger orgs. I only had access to the Western United States. I didn't have the international statistics. So what did you think about that? Well, as a manager, I thought, oh shit. Oh shit, we're, we're not. West U.S. is screwing the pooch. We're not making it. We're not. Oh, man, this is not good. We push. We stat pushed all these orgs up. 
And the only time we ever get these peaks is when we stat push them. We're not, and right. then and then my conclusion was, where I always went because I was a heavy heavy on establishment side, because I actually believe the rhetoric that we should build up these organizations, right, and not just run them into the ground to get as much squeeze as much blood and money as you can out of them. Um, my mind always went to we're not building the orgs. We're not putting stable people on the jobs and, and getting them had it and getting them, you know, trained for their jobs and getting them going. These were the kind of ways I would think. I would think solution-oriented like that. And then I would think to myself immediately after that, well, why can't we do that? Because of the constant now, 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 now demands. And that was immediately where my thinking had to stop because it was uh, a systemic problem. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any person I could go to in the management structure who would necessarily disagree with me if I put it the right way. If I didn't say it in an overtly disaffected management has no idea what they're doing. David Miscavige is a fuck up. If I didn't put it that way, right? If I said, it seems that we're having a lot of hard time, you know, with, with we're, we're having a a long-term expansion problem. It seems like our constant push for now, 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 it it feels like maybe there might be a long-term situation of stat push or something. I'm not quite sure what the hell's <laughs> going on. I would say it like this, right? And people would be like, yeah, it's true. You're right. But what are you going to do? Right. You know? Well, and, and, you know, you're looking at it from a viewpoint of not um, uh, properly recruiting and having and establishing would be an accurate way to look at it. And then I would argue that that's still too late on the chain because none of that would be so difficult and be such a problem if people were actually getting into Scientology. (laughs) Yes. The problem is people have stopped getting into Scientology. And when I mentioned earlier that, you know, I've always wondered what people at middle management and international management really thought about um, the value of their existence as a SEERG member. And this is related to my saying, I do think David Miscavige's wish, uh, I do think David Miscavige wishes he could keep growing Scientology. David Miscavige kind of needs to continue to justify his own existence as well. Like Scientology is supposed to be a reflection of him as a manager. If Scientology has been contracting for the last 25 years, how does he justify his continued existence? And I think that is actually one of the things that's at the core of his personal meltdown. And his lashing out at everyone, everything and everyone around him is he has to point the finger at others. When you hear people tell stories of Miscavige is obsessed with finding and rooting out all of the SPs around him. Yeah. Well, because that's the only way he can justify why Scientology isn't expanding. He has to be the guy going, I'm trying so hard that everyone must be pushing back against me at least as hard as I'm pushing. Otherwise, this would be moving forward. When in reality... He is just incompetent at what it would take to grow Scientology. Exactly. He is. Exactly. Because I do think he has an incentive to grow it. I do think he wishes it would grow. And um, it's hard to imagine somebody continuing to be that incompetent for that long. But um, he just. And yet there it is. Because, well, yeah. and, and these sort of circumstances, actually, just to just to take a look at how this is unique and different from the CEO of a Fortune 500 or non-Fortune 500 company is that David Miscavige is not just a CEO. He's not just a business leader or owner. He is a cult leader. And so what you get with that, the advantage of that, is you have an artificially propped up system 
that is that is being artificially propped up by basically hopes and prayers, right? Thoughts and feelings, and 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 that sort of thing, and the and the continued influx of money that is built on basically appealing to hope, and that's where you have a difference in this business model from your regular business type of situation, I think, and why yeah. incompetence can last longer than it would say at an IBM or an HP or something. Right. Well, one of the things that really shackles Scientology managers from even being able to propose good ideas is the principle that you and I are familiar with, which is you're not allowed to take into consideration any factors that are outside your immediate control. Right. Like if there's a problem and you're trying to handle it, you are not allowed to propose a handling that relies on someone else to do it. It has to be resources available to you that completely under your control. Well, you know what, on a, on a, on a city level and even on a continental level, it is not within any manager's control to get more people into Scientology, to improve the perception of Scientology, to, you know, like that can only happen from the top. Um, And any proposals from the lower levels up that contradict the proposals that have already been put in place from the top down are viewed as treasonous. I mean, the the organization itself basically uh, cuts itself off at the knees. And I guess uh, Miscavige's incompetence is evident by the fact that he is the only one in the organization who has the power to change that. And, um, And he doesn't. So again, somebody could still argue, well, is that because he doesn't want to? And I go, no, he has all the incentives that someone could possibly have to grow Scientology. I I do think it comes down to incompetence because Chris, you pointed out, anybody can look at those graphs of the orgs that have gone boom and then bust and concluded that the only reason those orgs ever boomed in the first place was cannibalizing all of Scientology in a 500 mile radius and channeling it into that. In in the corporate world, that's just called cannibalization. That's right. It, it's not even that someone went in and did an excellent job for a few months and then left. No, they didn't do an excellent job. They took all of the Scientology that was occurring around it, channeled it into one small area so the statistics there would look great, and then everything went back to normal state. That's right. <laughs> right? That's, it. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think that the other thing that drives, if you know, one thing I think that stands out as a difference between and this might sound funny from from certain point of view, but I think it's true, is that between L. Ron Hubbard as a manager and David Miscavige as a manager, mm-hmm. is that L. Ron Hubbard engaged in all the weird, megalomaniac, covert op, fair game bullshit. And he, and he thought of himself as this high-class intelligence operator, and he kind of liked to play around with that. But at the end of the day... I think Hubbard didn't hate people. I think there were some people he hated. I think he hated his critics. I think he was incredibly vindictive toward people who didn't who didn't like him. But I think that he actually did have a general liking for people. And I think he was surprised and delighted by people, even in his arrogance and conceit and, you know, and sort of, you know, egotism. I don't think David Miscavige likes a single person on this planet. Yeah, I think you're right, except for Tom Cruise. Well, yeah. (laughs) And even then, he may not. Is he just faking it, right? I think Tom Cruise is the only one who he thinks is maybe approximately at his level. 
Well, he, and, and he still talks know. shit about Tom behind his back, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, I, I, mean, I, I agree with you. I think that's. I think that there's a. I think there's a thing there because because you look at how I was just thinking about how he treats Int Base, and then I was thinking about what you were just saying about Clearwater. He doesn't want any of the locals around. Yeah, it's because he fucking hates them. I think he just yeah. hates people, right? He doesn't want people around. And look at what he's done, even internally in the organizations. He's emptied out Div 6s while he was saying he was going to pump a third of the staff into Div 6. He emptied <laughs> it out with a bunch of videos and, Dude, and audiovisual he, crap, right? It's so funny that you mentioned that. He went from saying that a third of the staff should be in Div 6, and then he pivoted to saying, no, 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 just a third of the square footage. Exactly. We'll put TVs in there. That's Get rid right. of the staff. That's right. <laughs> and it's all this robotic sort of, this is how you're supposed to get into Scientology. Completely and incredibly incompetently analyzing, yeah. you know, the boom of the 1970s. That motherfucker stood on a stage and said the comm course had nothing to do with getting people into Scientology in the 70s. And you're just okay. like every single, it's, it was the, it was, it was the same level of stupidity as saying Tom Cruise is the most dedicated Scientologist he knows. You're just like, are you purposefully trying to piss everybody off because that's what you're doing right now you know that's miscavige so well let me uh just because it's kind of a fun conversation (laughs) on this topic let me give you two examples of where hubbard himself seemed to totally miss the boat yeah on um this organizational expansion thing and uh anyway so hubbard would say things in the policies like every organization i ever run i was able to do x y and z yep and you're like yeah you're the leader of the cult dude (laughs) Stop acting like someone else should be able to replicate what you did. Like they didn't come there because the auditing at the organization got better. They came there because fucking L. Ron Hubbard was there. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And so here's the here's the best one of them all. He keeps, you know, uh, uh, without having to get into all the definitions, you yeah. know, these organizations are all trying to achieve a, a particular size that in Scientology is referred to as St. Hill size. Yep. And that is the size that the uh, Church of Scientology in St. Hill, England had achieved when it was being run by L. Ron Hubbard. This is the dumbest thing anyone has ever come up with. Because at the time L. Ron Hubbard was running that organization, it wasn't just an organization serving St. Hill, England, or even England. It was literally worldwide headquarters for Scientology. Scientologists from all over the earth went to this one organization just to be trained by L. Ron Hubbard. In other words, it was basically the, the 60s version of what the flag land base is now, right? And the flag, flag land base is the largest church of Scientology in the world for the one reason that it's the only church of Scientology that where Scientologists from all over the world come to it. Okay, for Hubbard to say that every single church of Scientology in the world can and should be as large as St. Hill was when he was running it is batshit crazy because not only did that have a unique selling proposition as it was literally being run by L Ron Hubbard, but it was a destination worldwide. Well, not every org in the world can be a desk, a worldwide, you know, an international destination point. So he set the organization up for failure. That's actually the point that I'm making here. This was uh, one of the biggest reflections of his own incompetence is he set benchmarks that were impossible to attain 
And he should have known that, right? That's right. That's right. He really should have known that. And that has actually been one of the biggest sticking points for Scientology um, growth internationally is everyone's trying to achieve this impossible dream. Right. Uh, now, that does serve a purpose for Miscavige, uh, which he never has to release OT9 and 10. Exactly. Because L. Ron Hubbard said every organ in the world has to be the size of old St. Hill before um, well, he didn't actually mention OT9 and 10. That was something, a completely different conversation. But so in some respects, these unrealistic benchmarks serve a purpose for Miscavige, but it was also a, a huge point of incompetence on L. Ron Hubbard's part. No doubt. And, and, but, yep. but even Miscavige should be able to have spotted that and figured out what to do about it. <laughs> no doubt, man. And not only, you're, you're, and I'll build on that even more and say that not only is there a basic fundamental lie there with St. Hill, as you exactly point out, because it had the figurehead there and the international makeup. But he then, Hubbard's, Hubbard's proof of concept <laughs> of, of St. Hill was sending a bunch of criminal Sea Org guys to Boston in the early 70s. And he goes, here's my, here's my proof that anybody can do it is Boston did it, right, a few years later or Philly or wherever he sent them, right? And no, it was Boston. It, it was, was Boston. Boston. Yeah, it was Boston. And he said, and that's the proof. And then we find out, total fucking lie, right? I mean, I'm just profanely like, you know, rah, about this crap because we were we were just fed this for years, right? That that yeah. Boston did it. And then you find out, no, it was a bunch of, bunch of criminal uh, Sea Org members who were busted from the boat, from the ship. Hubbard sends them to Boston to make good. And what do they do? They put the thumb screws on everybody, start getting them to write, literally write bad checks, which they're cashing and, and counting as income, called postulate checks, and, uh, and screw them with the calendar and the time system and everything to make themselves look like they're making all this money. And the whole thing was a total sham. So, so you're dealing with... Not only are Hubbard and Miscavige incompetent as managers, but worse, they are actually promoting criminal solutions. And by criminal, I mean you, you have all this policy that says do everything honestly, do everything this way, do everything this way. But none of that policy is how any of Scientology's booms, quote unquote, were ever created in the first place. So it actually really sets everybody up for failure. And this is why the trajectory of every single staff member is one of a rocket ride up on enthusiasm and hope to be and down it goes. That's right. That's right. And even Hubbard's own example of old St. Hill, you know, that was supposed to be, you know, his crown jewel of accomplishment. Well, it didn't sustain itself. It crashed as soon as he left. Exactly. As soon as he left, it crashed. And I go, okay, so you couldn't even put um, you couldn't even put something in place that would sustain itself without your presence. That's right. That's and yet every organization in the world in Scientology is chasing that carrot. And and here's the thing, none of them are allowed to acknowledge it's not possible. Exactly. Exactly. Even implying it's not possible is enough to get you kicked out of Scientology. That's right. Right? That's right. So uh, it's remarkable to look back on all this and see how obvious it, it should have been. But the thing is, like, if you look at all the reasons why Scientology has such a terrible reputation and all this kind of stuff, uh, to me, it's all stuff that should be fixable. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't give a shit whether they fix it or not. I don't particularly want them to fix it or not want them to fix it. It's 
But like when you look at what they're doing in 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 England, the Charlie Wakeley guy and a lot of the social media stuff they're doing, yep. that's that's good stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just started regging people less, uh, you got rid of disconnection really. Um, there, there, uh, people people have enough of an appetite for the kind of um, cultish but uh, egocentric stuff that's in Scientology. People people have enough of an appetite for that. That it seems like if Miscavige was competent, he could figure out how to grow it. Yes, he you could. Know? Yes, he could. I've often wondered whether the stuff they're doing in London, um, I've often wondered how they got permission to do that stuff. I think they're Haven't doing it. I think they're doing it below the book. I think they're doing it off the books. You think so? I think so. And I, and I just, I, I'm a little surprised they're still going. I think it yeah, started, because... I think it started off the books. I'll say that. Because I, I saw something pop up on YouTube. It was, um, well, it was a Zoom interview, much like what we're doing right here, between Charlie Wakely and Grant Cardone. And Charlie was kissing Grant's ass like he was a celebrity. And my first thought was, that is so not cool for a staff member to be, like, worshiping a public like that. Like, that was so out of the norm, out of the ordinary. Like, Charlie, he must be a pretty good actor. He was like, oh, my God, Uncle G. Oh, my God, is this really you? I can't believe it. I'm such a big fan. And I'm like, staff members don't talk to public that way. Like that is nope. incredibly inappropriate. And it made me wonder whether uh, whether it's some sort of a program they're doing. Because you know? it's know, not like no one I in management I, knows that's happening. No, you're I, at this point, I think you're right. There's no way management couldn't know. There's no way it couldn't have gotten to OSA at this point. And I even saw somebody send me a link. They asked me a question that, about... Um, uh, a Sunday service. There was a link posted to a video done of a Scientology Sunday service without the group processing part, but the rest of it was there. And I was like, what the fuck? They're putting this online now? So so definitely something's changed. I just don't know what yet. I can't get right. my finger around. I can't get my finger on, on exactly what it is that's changed because you'd think if they were going to go, go, okay, thumbs up internet, they would go a lot bigger than they're going. So I'm a little- Right, like why just London? Right, you know? right. Is this a pilot program they're trying to run? Maybe see how it goes if they give orgs YouTube channels? I'm not sure. Maybe they're trying it and Charlie wrote a you know a whole project in CSW or something, got it approved locally. I don't know. I've, it's, it's interesting, I'll say that. It's certainly interesting. But it ain't doing them any favors. I mean, it just shows more of the crazy. You yeah, know, I, I personally, yeah, yeah. I'm like, go check it out, guys. Go look at it. Please go <laughs> not, get that view count up. Let's see, you know, let's, let's do it. Putting a Sunday service online, as long as you don't have the group processing, is actually, um, from a public relations standpoint, a really good idea. I think so. Um, you know, uh, the church, uh, I mean, the, the Scientology orgs only do that to look churchy. But it's like, if you're going to look churchy, look churchy to the world. You don't have to look churchy to the members. We don't, uh, when we were in, we didn't give a shit. <laughs> didn't care. Like, like what nope. you're preaching like we don't the like, last thing we, we gave hate, a we shit hate. about was sunday service we were like what oh. we're know? like really are you kidding me again <laughs> you know <laughs> but but um the only part of but but you know a, a sunday service at an org is something you can bring anybody like you're allowed to bring anybody to a sunday service yep so if you can bring anybody to a sunday service why not put it online the group processing is the only part of those things that are actually really weird but again, you talk about incompetence. How's it taking them 20 fucking years to figure out how to put a Sunday service online? Exactly. 
you know. Well, Come still, on now. I mean, they, these guys are still dealing with, uh, you know, CDs. I mean, this is, this is, <laughs> the, the, and, and to this day, no Scientology ebooks. It's crazy. Fiction, but not, not as nonfiction. And you're just, what, oh, are you afraid it's going to get pirated? At this point, I mean, it's all over. It's Xenu's all over the internet. It's a. It, it is. It is. It, it's hard to. It's hard to have to 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 not see the incompetence. It, it it really is quite something. And when we were in, of course, we had every reason to use every facility we had to justify what was going on and make it make sense. So. Yeah. You know, it's not like you and I are our special grade of stupid. I mean, everybody makes stupid things make sense all the time. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, so we weren't doing anything unusual there. It's just, man, it really required a lot of work to make that make that crap make sense. And I guess it's I, true. I'm glad it went. I'm glad our our talk went this way because I think this really does need to be commented on more often. Um, that, you know, well, why? Why would Clearwater be, you know, because everything, you know, Scientology is such an opposite world in so many ways. You would think, we've, we've certainly proposed that after Miscavige left in base, doesn't want to go back there, doesn't like it, not his place to hang out or be safe. It's not a safe space for him anymore. Clearwater looked like the alternative, looked like the place he was going to go. Cruz buys an apart- a condo there. Miscavige is hanging out there all the time. So of all the things you would imagine he would want to create a safe space where he's got some PR area control, you'd think he'd be bending over backwards to hold fundraisers and, and events and, and shimmy up with the local people. But he doesn't. He does the exact opposite. It makes no sense. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of that was overblown about um, Miscavige moving to Clearwater and even Tom Cruise. Tom hasn't moved to Clearwater. Really? Um, his condo's not even done. Um, okay. Any stories you hear about okay. him holding parties up there are fabricated for the tabloids. Um, oh, and, okay. okay. I mean, Tom Cruise is going to be a guy who lives all over the world. Um, he's going to be shooting movies all the time. When does he have time to live in Clearwater? Right. Um, his sisters do live here. Uh, you know, his son lives here. Um, oh, I didn't know that. I think... Oh yeah, Connor lives here. Okay. Um, he's pretty well known. He's pretty well known in the community uh, by the younger guys. Uh, he's a big fisherman. Um, he's got a big fishing boat down at the marina, and um, and he's a fisherman. I think the, well, I mean, he's a huge. Well, I don't. I don't mean like a professional fisherman. He's he's all about fishing. Like he's a he's he's all about that salt life. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know oh, what he's he got. Did. A, he's got a big ass sweet fishing boat and ah. um, docks here in the Clearwater Marina. And uh, I think the whole Tom Cruise is moving to Clearwater yeah. was part of Miscavige's pitch for what he was going to do for Clearwater. He uh, was going to put Clearwater on the map. It was going to be Tom's new home. They were going to build this whole entertainment center. You know, he bought the, the uh, what used to be called the SunTrust building, what is now called the Atrium. I personally believe that building was purchased so that Tom could have his professional development offices up, up on the top of that building. But that's my speculation. And then it all sort of fell for through because Miscavige didn't get what he wanted. Oh, Miscavige wanted okay. Miscavige wanted that piece of land behind the Fort Harrison, and he wanted it so desperately that he was like, "If you guys will let us purchase this land, we are gonna do. We are gonna turn Clearwater into something amazing." And I think Tom moving to Clearwater was just part of that allure. Oh, okay, so that was just part of the package he was trying to sell the city council. 
That is my belief. That okay. is my belief because it doesn't Got take it. that long to renovate a condo. Like the building's <laughs> been completed for a long time. There are other people living in that building. It doesn't take that long. The, the goddamn thing's still being under renovation. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when it's, when it's done being renovated, will he spend some time in there? Sure. Does Tom live in Clearwater? No, he doesn't. Got it. Got it. But it could have easily been arranged for Tom Absolutely. to fly in, do some photo ops, go back Absolutely. to his life, and it would have been nothing for him to do that. And and if that would have helped Scientology and Clearwater, Tom would have done it in a microsecond. So, Absolutely. Okay. Makes sense. Totally makes sense now. So this is – so this really is then – uh, just a super facade picture that's been painted in, in oh, front yeah. of everybody. Okay. Yeah. And wow. so, you know, the reason, um, the main reason Scientology is so hated in this community doesn't really have anything to do with its beliefs or even its history. It has to do with it being such a terrible, terrible neighbor, such a terrible member of the community, mm. giving, giving nothing to community and, and only um, making it worse by taking properties off of the tax rolls, um, yes, they buy a property, they'll renovate it, they'll make it. No one gives a shit about an empty, nice building. They have, they have destroyed the economic activity of downtown Clearwater. And the people who've lived here for decades and generations resent the hell out of them for that. Because downtown Clearwater used to actually be a hub of activity. It used to be what you would think of as a downtown. Um, and the fact that they uh, came here secretly and bought up all this stuff, they're just terrible neighbors. And it, that, that's something that you could change so easily. And, um, and that's why I say it's intentional. Miscavige doesn't want to be a good neighbor. He wants everyone to be pissed off and to stay away and to not want to come downtown. And I got to tell you, he's going to lose that battle. He's going to lose that battle. Um, Clearwater is uh, doing a giant project called Imagine Clearwater. We are going to have a 4,500 uh, seat covered amphitheater right in Clearwater Park. That's going to um, world world class world class facilities for it's basically a concert, you know, for concerts. Uh, Ruth Ruth Eckert Hall is going to be able to book uh, concerts in this place every week. Now, here's where things get interesting. Um, the Sandcastle Hotel is the advanced organization for the Flag Land Base. Uh, uh, locals don't understand and even local politicians don't understand until I tell them that is actually the crown jewel of the flag land base. It's not the flag building. It's not the Fort Harrison hotel. It's the sandcastle because that's the top of the bridge. That's where the OT levels are delivered. Right. Yep. Well, now there's going to be a 4,500 seat concert hall pointing right at the sandcastle. <laughs> they, they positioned the concert hall on the side of the park closest to the sandcastle. And so when I started, um, taking meetings with some of the city, uh, city officials um, in preparation for my city council run next year, I started asking them, because I started to explain to them why Miscavige is against development, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, I said, don't think for a second that Scientology supports the Imagine Clearwater project. In fact, I've been wondering, have you guys been hearing a lot of noise from them about it? And they would say to me, no, for some reason, they have not been complaining to us about the Imagine Clearwater project. And I didn't know what to make of that until... We finally learned last month that Miscavige has told all the local Scientologists they're building a new advanced org here in Clearwater. I was going to ask you so, about that from that. Yeah. Right. So they knew that their PR would be so damaged by coming out against the Imagine Clearwater project and trying to protest about this and that, that instead they're like, screw it. We're going to, we have to abandon the sandcastle. 
We have to build a new AO. Now, wherever they choose to build this new AO, this is going to be the next chapter in the battle. The battle. uh, Miscavige's battle against the city of Clearwater. He's going to figure out, he's going to figure out some way to screw the city with this AO. And we just don't know how yet. Right. But, um, but my point, when I said Miscavige is eventually going to lose this battle, not only is the city doing its own redevelopment project with this Imagine Clearwater project, but there's three giant properties right on the bluff, right behind the flag land base that are out for bid. Uh, and it's called an RFP or request for a proposal that are out, currently out for bid nationwide for developers to come and build massive mixed use residential and commercial properties right there next to the flag land base. And then there's, well, you, you've been to Clearwater, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's that bus station right across from Caddy Corner to the Fort Harrison Hotel. Mm-hmm. There's this big old county-owned bus station. That's not going to be a bus station for much longer. That will, uh, fingers crossed, there's many things that thing could turn into. But one of the things it might turn into is a giant building for the new city hall, right? Taller than the flag building, taller than the Fort Harrison. Like, development is going to continue to occur around the flag land base. And Miscavige won't be able to prevent this stuff from happening. He's going to lose his mind Mm -hmm. because he's going to lose this battle. Clearwater is his, his crown jewel in all of Scientology is the flag land base. And um, he's going to be boxed in with (laughs) non-Scientologist development. Um, And I'm, uh, I'm here for it. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, see it happen. I'm excited to help make it happen. And, um, but I'll tell you that the biggest barrier that developers are going to have in making these proposals is convincing the people of Clearwater that they're not secretly working for Scientology. That, that is how hated Scientology is. Wow. Wow. Well, let me throw this out there and then maybe we'll wrap up here. This has been fucking fascinating. Thank you very much for sharing all this with us. It's definitely given me a perspective change on Clearwater. I've never, I've never really been clear on how to think about this place because it's, you hear this, you hear this, you hear that. And I've just been frustrated like everybody else that, you know, every time Scientology makes any kind of seeming advance, it's like, ah, why can't they be stopped? You know, but there's obviously there's only so much Clearwater City Council is going to be able to do about that stuff too. Yeah. I, wonder and i wanted to get your opinion on this because i've never thrown this out to anybody before but i think i think the number one thing that's stopping scientology is miscavige and i think if scientology is actually going to survive i don't think that there's a road by which scientology expands and thrives and continues and survives into the future where miscavige is is a permanent part of that picture i think he's going to have to go and I think he's going to have to go in a it, it, like like in order to okay here's how here's my here's my whole thought in order to save Scientology Miscavige would have to throw himself on his sword and Miscavige is never ever ever going to do that so the only other way that Scientology could survive is if there was some sort of coup or if he were gotten rid of somehow maybe he dies of old age this doesn't have to happen now this could happen in ten years. But he goes, and then whoever steps up and takes over has to do the public apology tour. Yeah. They'd have to. Yeah. They'd have to, right? Otherwise, Scientology will continue to remain toxic because, like you describe, is basically Scientology internationally. They are bad neighbors. There is nowhere that Scientology is a good neighbor, not even in L.A., 
where they have definitely, without question, and we can point to specific examples where we can point this out, they have absolutely infiltrated the Hollywood Police Division, and they have, and they have definitely allied with the LAPD and the LA Sheriff's Office in the past, and I believe in the present, in such a way as to insulate and isolate themselves you know, legally. That, I think that's a total self-preservation move on their part. That's not community good works, though. Every time they try to do community good works, they screw it up, and they just right. piss people off. And I've actually talked to people who are on the Hollywood City Council or Hollywood area politicians about Scientology, and this is what they've told me. So I, 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 I'm I, not just making this stuff up, right? So what you say about Clearwater applies just as much to how they act in L.A., I imagine, in London. I mean, Scientology is, if they're one thing about Scientology, it is that they're pretty consistent. So I, so I think that there's no way out of this incompetent mess that they are in right now as we're framing it as long as this guy remains in charge. He's never going to change. And Yeah, I agree. You know, and that's going to push it all the way down, I think, is, is, is the inevitable result of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And um, I would speculate that the only people who are left in upper management are people who ascribe to the same way of thinking that yep. Miscavige does have spent so many decades and decades. I mean, some of those guys have been along, <laughs> around longer than Miscavige. Right. Um, where, you know, I take it back. If Guillaume Lasserve was chairman of the board, I think we'd have a different kind of Scientology. Yep. Like Guillaume Lasserve is a truly charismatic individual who actually does care about people and, and expanded Europe when he was the head of, the head of Scientology in Europe. Like okay. actually expanded it. Yep. Um, Guillaume Serve is a shell of his former self, um, but I, but I, but, but okay, I, I, I take your point. I question whether there are people around him who are capable of doing that apology tour, who have, you know, who are capable of acknowledging that that is, you know, that would be necessary, and and the current modus operandi is a problem. Yep. Um, but I definitely agree that um, it's not possible with Miscavige there. You know, um, I have a little quick little tidbit because mm-hmm. uh, I was gonna. I, I called Mike. I called Mike Rinder and asked him a question because I was going to do a video on this subject and wanted to make sure I was thinking about it correctly of like, okay, if Miscavige died, is there, I know there's not literally a succession plan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. My question to him was, would Scientology's non-Scientologist lawyers be involved in the process of X? Like, is there some corporate structure that would actually help dictate who would step up, not mm. on the basis of they were selected as being great, but that that, that that there was a corporate structure and some corporate attorneys involved in helping to select the next um, chairman of the board, if you will. And then Mike was like, no. And I'm like, he's like, you know, there's not really a board. And I said, yeah, I know there's not really a board, but you know, even at the Philadelphia org, there was a board. I mean, they didn't meet, they didn't do anything, but there had to be names on a paper and Mike was like, well, well, yeah, I mean, there's names on a paper, but Miscavige isn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes, Miscavige is literally not the chairman of any board. He's, he isn't, there's no board, not even for RTC. He can't even say he's the chairman of the board of RTC because he's not even one of the board members. He, he has some, uh, Mike said he has some post of trustee. So literally he just gave himself a name. My point in, in, in saying that is it really would be nothing but a pure scramble for power. Yeah. There's no corporate structure to facilitate um, a succession plan. Um, 
And it really would be, and, and you have to ask yourself, so who would want that job and why would they want it? Would they want it so they could have all the perks that Miscavige has had over the last 30 plus years? Or would they want it because they really wanted to turn the ship around and, and do better? And, you know, maybe if it was one of these true believers who has only stuck around this whole time because they wanted to be able to um, tell on Miscavige when Hubbard came back, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe... Maybe some of those guys are around because they just didn't want to uh, let L. Ron Hubbard down and they expect him back. And, you know, so I guess that's a, a lot of gibberish to say. Um, maybe it could happen. Maybe it can't. But it can't with Miscavige. That's for sure. For sure. And I, and, I, and I don't think it's all gibberish at all. I think it's I think this is things that we've been speculating about. I have been asked that question. It's probably one of the top five questions I've been asked. And I've been asked, like, you know, thousands of questions at this point. Um, but definitely, it's like, you know, d- was L. Ron Hubbard a con man or did, was he sincere? That's one of the top questions. Is, is Miscavige sincere? Does he really believe? That's, no, that's one of the top questions. And what happens when Miscavige dies or goes away is definitely probably top three. I think those are the top three. So, um, so it is definitely an area of intense speculation. And I think that... Um, that if if uh, if he disappears tomorrow or in ten years, and somebody doesn't step up and clean up their toxic public reputation, like you said, there is no there is nothing for them. They they it will just die off. It will definitely definitely die off. So we'll see, we'll see what happens though. Anything's possible, you know. Yep. So again, I think I only um, alluded to it here, mm-hmm. um, and I have to be careful how I phrase it, but you know, come September or October, whenever the campaign season starts, I will be filing the necessary papers to be a candidate for city council. And here's where Miscavige really needs to worry. Three votes on the city council controls the city. We have a council manager form of government. The mayor of Clearwater does not run the city of Clearwater. The city council hires a city manager. The council as a body of five people votes on what they want done in the city. The city manager executes whatever has been approved. Three votes on the city council controls the city of Clearwater. So if you have me and Mark Bunker on the council, um, and and don't get me wrong, it's not like the city council can now enact unconstitutional discriminatory policies. I'm just saying, you wanna talk about changing the perception of Clearwater. Let's have two SPs. Filling uh, two, two out of five seats on Clearwater City Council filled by people who have hate websites on them by the Church of Scientology, I think we can actually change the perception of Clearwater. And when I started taking these meetings, um, just making sure people knew who I was. I mean, it just, you know, it's easy to think people know who you are. No one knows who the hell you are. Right? <laughs> I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I, I sat down, I had lunch with the mayor and I said, look, I'm not running just to prove a point or just to be a sideshow. I wanna change the perception of Clearwater and maybe it can be done, maybe it can't be done, but if it can be done, I can do it. And if I can't do it, it can't be done. (laughs) And I said, but look, I need to know if you think this is valuable. Like, does this actually help? And he said, you know, I'll tell you straight up, the number one problem I have in attracting world-class businesses and talent to Clearwater is Scientology. People don't like Scientology or they're afraid of it or they think uh, they think Scientology will prevent economic activity from happening. And so they don't want uh, they don't want to roll the dice. They don't want to take the chance. And I said, that's all I needed to hear. 
you know? Um, that doesn't mean that the mayor's endorsing will endorse me. That doesn't mean that. But all I needed for him to say was that the perception of Clearwater and the, and the misperception of Scientology's influencing Clearwater is the biggest hurdle he encounters in actually moving Clearwater forward. That's all I needed to hear. That's all I needed to hear to like, okay, I'm going to run. And I'm not running against anybody. I'm running <laughs> for Clearwater. Um, and I'm excited because Chris, you know, they're going to have to come out and fight me full force, right? You know that. And yet the more they fight me, mm -hmm. the more they're going to help me in my campaign. So like, I am counting on them throwing everything they have. At yeah, me, me too. Like, bring it on. Okay. We are so past the age. Uh, I think we are so past the age of politicians having to give a damn what this organization says about them. I'm like, I don't care. Air all my dirty laundry. Let the world see what a terrible organization you are. Like, you think you're going to air my dirty laundry and people are going to think less of me? No, they're going to think less of you. Bring it on. So it's going to be very, very exciting. The campaign season will start. I'm pretty sure it's September. Okay. And then the election will be March 2022. And I'll just tell everybody, if you want to be able to know what's happening as that rolls, rolls around, just subscribe to my, my channel on YouTube, Growing Up in Scientology. When the time comes, that's where I will be releasing all of the pertinent information. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think so. I think it's going to be great. And I look forward to watching you do it. Um, and, you know, I'll definitely give you free press on my site. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have plenty of others as well. This is going to be very interesting. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. And last question for you, just because it's timely. Um, have you seen Commodore Obvious and his Cult City Tours? <laughs> so I actually helped him with that whole thing. Oh, yeah? Um, so Ted, Ted Reinhardt has started a uh, cult tourism Scientology tour business here in downtown Clearwater. And, oh, you're going to love this story, Chris. <laughs> uh, so Ted was like, hey, would you... Would you um, help me? I, I think it was, I, I, I'm going to be embarrassed if I had this wrong, but it seemed like it was Ted, his wife, um, and his son and his son's girlfriend. It seemed like that's who the four people were. Um, could you come and basically give us this tour, train, train us on how to do this tour? And I said, absolutely. And I, I audio recorded the entire thing. It was a two-hour tour. And it was amazing. We just went from building to building to building. And then I would explain to them what the building is for how it fit into the, the world of Scientology and tell them some funny or amusing stories about it. And at one point we were standing right outside the coachman and who walks by none other than Pat Harney right through our little group, okay? Now at first I was a little flustered. You know, I'm used to like, I don't like bothering. I don't like harassing anybody. Yeah. I'm like, fuck it, this is our tour. And so I go, and here we have Pat Harney she works in the office of special affairs and she must not have recognized me when she, when, when she walked by. Cause she was like, what? She heard her name. She was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, this is Pat Harney. And then as she was looking at us, I go, Pat's primary job is harassing former Scientologists. <laughs> and then I, and then she looked over again. I'm like, Hey Pat, how you doing? Good to see you. And <laughs> okay. So Pat Harney became part of the tour. Awesome. And then as we were walking around this the superpower building, um, I was like, let's play a game of who can find the hidden cameras and microphones. <laughs> so we're walking around the block and they were doing a great job finding the cameras and the microphones. And then we were turning the corner where, um, where the buses pick up all the Sea Org members. 
And they were like, oh my God, do you think they're going to come out and harass us? I said, are you kidding? They are so much more afraid of us than, than you should be of them. And like, well, how do you know? I'm like, well, cause you saw that Seerg member, that, that security guard just stuck his head out around the corner and then popped back in like a little rat. And, um, and I'm like, they're watching us on all the cameras. So like, we're standing outside the coachman and I'm like, there's a camera there. There's a microphone there. And like, oh, you think they can hear us what we're saying right now? I'm like, oh yeah, they're listening to every word. Absolutely. And, um, it, it, and you know, it's funny because I think when someone first hears that there's this Scientology cult tour happening and because Ted wears his funny uniform, it seems like it's all just ridicule mm -hmm. and a joke, but it's actually not. There's, a, there's an actual inherent benefit to doing this tour, which is showing everyone there's actually nothing to be afraid of, yes. right? Right. We can, they've got it all in their minds. We're these big, terrible, scary people, but they're the ones who are actually afraid. And, um, and so I, I, I don't expect that this business is going to be very well received by the council members, but the truth is on a, on a, on a, um, on like a, a local population level, it's actually very beneficial to yeah. just take them all around. Oh, I, it was like, Oh, Hey, you see this little pizza shop right here. This is the pizza shop where they refuse to serve Mark Bunker pizza. <laughs> this is, this is, the, this is the famous shop where they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. We just ran out of pizza. <laughs> And Mark's like, uh, you're a pizza place that just ran out of pizza. What else you got? I'll take whatever's on the menu. I'm so sorry. The kitchen just closed, right? Every little building had a really funny story you could tell about it. Wow. Like, especially CCHR. CCHR, let me tell you about, remember Tom Cruise on Matt Lauer? That was all about CCHR. You don't know the history of psychiatry. <laughs> I do. What the hell was Tom talking about? CCHR. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> beautiful man so anyway, that's awesome yeah i i hope ted um oh and actually there is a possibility that um there will be some like vip tour guides like i told i told mark headley about this whole thing and he's like are you kidding me i would love to come to come to clearwater <laughs> and be a guest tour guide i could tell him the best stories so, oh, Headley uh, would be perfect I, I, for that. He loves telling those stories, man. He's got 20,000 of them. <laughs> yeah, we could, you know, you could start at one end of the block on Cleveland Street and be like, okay, let's take some bets. When we get to the Clearwater Bank building, uh, do we think they're going to come out and harass us? Or is someone going to come out and give us a hard time? Or are they going to pull in the all welcome sign and close the doors before we even get there? Who thinks, who <laughs> so thinks one's more likely than the other? <laughs> that's right. Because um, there really is nothing to be afraid of. They just want you to think that there is. That's exactly right. And that's, see, that's what I love about that is, you know, somebody was challenging me the other day on Twitter about a video I posted where a guy was uh, comparing something about Scientology and QAnon or something. And it was this little video and it was just this kind of ridicule-y sort of video. And uh, I think he was out front of a church of Scientology asking people as they came out about QAnon or something or some, something like that. And it was just this sort of silly, ridiculing thing. And normally, you know, that's not something I consider as a serious form of protest or, you know, it's not going to help anybody. But it is kind of funny from time to time. But I think what you're describing over time actually would be cathartic for the citizens of Clearwater. I actually do. I think I think, I think it, so. Yeah, I do. Because I think it would bring the temperature down. Because if you can laugh at something, 
it's so much less serious. And there are no circumstances where you can't laugh. You can always find the humor. And yeah. as bad as and, Scientology is, and it's bad, it's still and, something, and, you know. Uh, here's a little thing that I think would surprise many people. It's just an example of the tour. Like, right next to the Coachman building, which is one of Scientology's most important buildings, sort of, uh, on the flag land base, there is a little brick sidewalk that goes right between the Coachman building and uh, the old bar. The, the, it's, a, it's a bar now. It's a Clay Irwin used to own the bar. It's the... Um, the, the lucky anchor. Mm -hmm. There is a brick sidewalk that has been built. The biggest brick right as the sidewalk begins, right next to the Coachman building, has Lisa McPherson's name on it. It's dedicated to the memory of Lisa McPherson. And wow. I just think that most people would assume that in Clearwater next to the base, oh my God, something like that could never happen. Yeah. There's a big brick with Lisa McPherson's name on it right next to the Coachman building. And there's not a goddamn thing Scientology can do to make that brick go away. You know, it's just a little piece of symbolism. So, uh, you know, just giving the tour, it felt poignant to be like, here's a tour. Here's the, you know, the flag land base. And look, there's a big fucking brick with Lisa McPherson's name on it right there. And there's nothing they can do about it. Nice. You know, it's just the little things. No, you're absolutely right. And that is awesome, man. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to be on here and enlightening all of us about the latest state of things in Clearwater and your plans, because I am super, super excited. You told me about them last year. I was super pumped about it then. Now we can talk about it openly. I'm even more pumped about that. And I think that we are going to see nothing but you know, some positive sea change for Clearwater as a result. You, Bunker, other people might be stepping up in the future. Who knows? So awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. All right, folks. Uh, any questions, comments, feedback, go ahead and leave it in the comments section below. Maybe we will see it. And um, maybe we'll respond to it. We'll see. I, I go there every now and again. And, of course, if you are liking the show, liking what I'm doing here, think that, you know, for whatever reason I should be encouraged to continue, then you can join me on Patreon or uh, support me through PayPal. Links all below in the description section to this video. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye.